What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. I am not sure why I pronounce daily that way, and I don't care. It is Thursday, August 23rd, 2018. We're going to see a little football tonight. Browns and Eagles. We're going to talk about the Browns with our guest, Mark Sessler of NFL.com and the Around the NFL podcast. You follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Sessler NFL. Um, and you should check out that podcast. The, those guys are going to head over to London, um, which is pretty cool. They're, they're hitting up London before, uh, as like part of this venture with Sky Sports, you know, cause it's with the NFL. Um, and so they're going to hang out overseas before the, I think it's the Eagles Jaguars game, maybe. Uh, but either way, or maybe it's the NFL kickoff, whatever it is, they're going over to London, which is awesome. That is the goal of this podcast to, to generate enough revenue where I'm given international travel, uh, preferably to Scotland, where I will play golf. Or Ireland would be fine, too. We'll try some whiskey. Either way, whatever the case may be. Uh, let's get to some news, and then we'll get to Mark. By the way, you can still enter to win a giant 65-inch high-tech 18-pound television from LG and, and, and CBS Sports and our tech brothers from another mother over at CNET. Go to cbssports.com backslash kickoff sweeps. Go there, fill out the form. There's a bunch of little options. You get more entries. Somebody that listens to this podcast should win that television. Please. It'll be awesome. We'll, we'll have you on the podcast and talk about how great the TV is and how much better it is than the crap I got in my office. Um, you can still join the Pick 6 Podcast Pick'em League. It's Pick6pod.football.cbsports.com. If you go there and you can't get in, go to twitter.com backslash Will Brinson. And my Twitter handle, I got it pinned at the top of my page. So do either of those. Uh, we'll have the fantasy leagues firing up next week. We'll talk about those two in depth because not everybody's in them. Um, Eagles, Browns, I, you can't, can you play, can you play DFS with a single game? I guess you could. Uh, don't, don't start Carson Wentz. Um, <laughs> Maybe start Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor. The line on this game appears to be the Eagles or the Browns minus three and a half. That's insanity. Why would the Browns be minus three and a half? I mean, again, it's, it's in Cleveland. I get the Baker Mayfield. Tyrod Taylor's probably going to play the first half. But the Eagles are going to be trying. I would take the Eagles with the hook here. Uh, these games as, um, you know, look, these games end up being closer than you would expect. So take the, take the hook there if you can get it at three and a half. Remember, Nate Sudfeld needs to look sharp. He looked sharp in his last preseason game. Um, they're probably gonna, you know, if they get Foles out there, he can play some, uh, some against the ones and then Sudfeld can come in and mop up against the twos over under 41 and a half. Um, I'd like the under in that if I were, if I were to play that. Uh, anyway, some news around the NFL. Cowboys starting center. It's not even starting center. He's Cowboys all pro center. Travis Frederick is out indefinitely with a rare autoimmune disorder. This is pretty massive news. It's called Guillain-Barre syndrome, and he tweeted out, and uh, as, as John Breach wrote, um, the Mayo Clinic describes this as a rare disorder where the body's immune system attacks its nerves. After a very extensive examination and discovery process, uh, process over the past few weeks, I've been diagnosed with having Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is an autoimmune disease, Frederick said in the statement. In the last 48 hours, I have received two treatments that address my condition, and I'm feeling much better from an overall strength per- perspective. I will continue these treatments over the next few days. 
Um, it's great that the, that the doctors found this early, but and it's you know it probably means long term good news for his football career and his health as a human. Uh, probably bad news for his 2018 uh, start to the season at the very least. I would think that Travis Frederick not available week one um, against the Panthers in Carolina. Remember Zach Martin also suffered a hyperextended knee in the preseason. This guy's this is where an NFL season turns in the span of two weeks because the Cowboys, as good as you know they could potentially be, and I think they could be good uh, with their depth at linebacker. Demarcus Lawrence is there on on the defensive end. Um, you know they they've got some talent in the secondary. It's not going to be their defense that carries him. It's going to be their offense, and it's going to be Zeke Elliott running behind the league's what was two years ago the league's best offensive line. But if Travis Frederick and Zach Martin are missing any time. Whew, that is, uh, things can go south for the Cowboys. So don't, uh, don't be hammering that Cowboys over anytime soon. If you didn't like the Cowboys to begin with, you'd like the under. Now would be a good time to take the under. Eight and a half. Not, not bad. Cowboys could easily go seven and nine. It could be much worse if they're missing two of their starting offensive linemen. That's the big news of the night. I don't, there's, there's not a ton of news out there. The NFL says no changes will be made to the helmet rule, but then you know, made sort of a slight change. Um, Kenny Britt, that's, that's a John, 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 we'll find out if John Breach listens to this po- uh, podcast, because that's a John Breach headline. Um, the committee reviewed feedback re- received to date from players, coaches, and game officials. Troy Vincent said in a statement, the committee resolved that there will be no changes to the rules approved by clubs this spring, which includes no additional use of instant replay. Boo. Uh, the NFL also announced, as Breach pointed out, that incidental contact won't be penalized, which was not originally written in the rule. In other words, if you incidentally lead with your head, uh, you won't be penalized. But again, the NFL is still attempting to legislate intent here, and that's sort of a problem. Uh, the Patriots cut Kenny Britt. The, the, uh, the, the, we thought Kenny Britt, Malcolm Mitchell, uh, you know, we thought all these guys would be, you know, big players for this team, and they're just, they are, they're down some receivers in there in uh, New England. Maybe the Jets can rise up and win that division. Maybe we'll talk to Mark Sessler about who will be the second-best team in the division. We will definitely talk to him about the Browns, and let's go talk to Mark Sessler right now. All right, Mark, thanks for uh, joining the podcast. We've had uh, many, many conversations. Actually, I think now I'm. we've hung out plenty of times. Um, you were uh, off in a foreign country very recently after the last time we hung out, I had Dan on the podcast. Rosenthal's been, I'm, I'm going for a clean sweep of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, and after today, all I will need is Chris Wessling. So, uh, oh, well, so at least I'm not the last, like, I just don't want to be the last one. And I appreciate that you, um, that it suggests that, like, maybe I'm hard to get because I was uh, <laughs> toying around Germany and Italy, but I see what's happening here. As long as I'm not last, I'm all good with it. Well, you know, I was doing, I was trying to do team specific podcasts in the off season basically as a way to fill up days. And then I realized that I, I scheduled them all around my vacation and I just gave up on doing team specific <laughs> podcasts. Uh, but we can, we can focus on the Browns because, uh, I, I'll, well, and, and by the way, you can, it's at Mark Sessler NFL on Twitter, right? And yes, what thank is, you for occasionally retweeting um, some of the more inane comments that I've made um, on Twitter. I, I, I like to retweet people that I people that I like and 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 ridiculousness. You're a you're a uh, we're kindred spirits in terms of yes. um, wondering what the hell we're hurtling towards out here and and 
And, and, and I was going to ask you, actually a question I had to ask you, I'll ask you off the top. Do you think if, if your bosses would let you get away with it, would you quit Twitter today? I, I absolutely would love the freedom to completely ghost it because I feel like it was the kind of thing where when I started um, with it back in like 2010 or something like that, I thought, well, this is cool. And I'm, this is, this is where I'm happy to be engaged in this and putting my statements out there. Look at me. This is so great. Now I'm just like, I get on there and I feel like I have to make like a comment or two about the game that's on, or I'm kind of not doing my job. I would love if it were simply not at all or job responsibility, unless you really want to, but it's like the idea that it, it, it needs to be in our life for the next 35, 40 years, that really concerns me quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I was, I suggested that the Jaguars should trade for Teddy Bridgewater and somebody asked if Blake Bortles had relations with my wife. Like, they're like, like, that's your, that's your response? A simple, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like. The level of hostility is, is at, is at, you know, a fever pitch at this point, too. I I found that, too, that as I get older and as my kids get older, I grow more and more, and this just might be middle age stuff. Like, I laughed at my dad for middle, middle, midlife crises, crises. Uh, but like, I just grew more and more concerned with the general state of humanity as, as I, as, as like my kids get closer and closer to being shoved out into it without me to guide them. Uh, this is not, however, a podcast about anything other than football, but we could, uh, to, to, to rein us back in, something more serious and more grounded. The Cleveland Browns, are they the most entertaining team in a football team in America right now? I mean, they sort of have all the elements because Everyone loves the story of being uh, involved in an absolute train wreck scenario and trying to climb your way out. And, you know, once they do, then everyone will turn on them. But for now, they're a feel-good operation, probably until the games start. Uh, There's certainly some, I think, some shadowy stuff going on inside that could implode the whole thing. But right now, because I think also with Hard Knocks and my concern as a, you know, the, the sixth grade Browns fan in me, the concern I had was, are they going to be an ultra embarrassment and be totally exposed? And there's going to be endless tweets and blogs about what a disaster everyone is on the whole roster and inside the coaching staff unit. And you know what? I feel like after three episodes, obviously there's every hard knocks is going to have those little concerning moments and, and they have had that as well. Um, but m- for the most part, as a fan, like I cannot watch that in a different way. I feel like they've, it's been pretty positive for the organization and it's not in a fake way. It's like, okay, they're not, they actually do seem to have some guys that care. They have some good leaders finally. And I think the coaching staff is the big issue, but back to them. Why are are they like, they, they're like, a. we've been saying it on our podcast as well. It's just that they're a national team right now. And that used to be, that probably started because of Johnny Manziel and then continued because they were so incredibly vastly unsuccessful. Mm. Um, but now it's the hopeful or the hope attached to them coming back around. And a lot of work has to be done before that's anything other than a total myth. I mean, it's still August. Let's be real. <laughs> no, I mean, look, this is, you're, you're hundred percent right. It is, it's fun. Um, and by the way, that's, that the podcast Mark's referring to, of course, is the around the NFL podcast. You should subscribe to it. I subscribe to it. I've been listening to it for a long time. Uh, I mean, but, you've been on it. That was one of I, our best. I think that was our best episode. I, I doubt that. I think, I think I've been on it twice, actually. Somebody on your subreddit called me Jeff Spicoli, which was highly insulting. Um, however, I got mentioned on a subreddit, which is all I can ever ask for, uh, in, in, in life. Um, the, uh, the, the, the Browns thing, um, is to me, it's, it's fascinating because 
this is not dissimilar to what happens to every hard knocks team. Like you get this in, you get this intimate look at the characters and the, the people involved. I mean, even Hugh Jackson for all of his bungling on this episode, the guy's one in 31. Let's, you know, we're not sugarcoating it here. Uh, nobody, nobody thinks he's great. I mean, it's, it's hard not to be sympathetic for him. You know, you see him, uh, you know, lose his mother and his brother in the same week. Um, like I find myself pushing Ty, uh, uh, Jarvis Landry, excuse me, up fantasy draft boards just based on hard knocks. Uh, I, I was all in on Baker Mayfield before the, the hard knocks thing, but I'm really all in on him now. Uh, Tyrod Taylor's fantastic. It, you know, Bob Wiley popped up in this third episode, um, you know, screaming about stretching and then driving a Maserati. It, it's just, it's hard not to fall for these guys, but I wonder if like last year with the Buccaneers and like so many of these teams before us, it isn't this, um, false sense of, not security, but like false sense of optimism that pervades every single NFL team in August. Yeah, because even even the game results in Hard Knocks mean literally nothing. And so there's really nothing at stake. And there isn't the episode where they've suffered a hideous on-field defeat that has everyone asking um, deep, dark questions about the coaching <laughs> staff and the quarterback situation. You don't get any of that. It's all, you know, uh, plucky young players who might turn into stars or it's guys who, like, reimagine what we thought about them with, like, Jarvis Landry being one of those guys. I think that what's a little bit different for Cleveland in general, because they, they wanted to get Cleveland on hard knocks for a long time, and it could have been the Manziel year, and you would have found out four or five weeks in, like, oh, uh-oh, <laughs> this guy is not all in. What's I think the, what's so unusual for even Browns fans to watch this time around is like, wait a minute, Tyrod Taylor seems totally reliable and a leader, and we know he's a competent quarterback who would be a better starter than they've had in a while. But Baker Mayfield, just as you said, I think has come off really well. And it's sometimes those rookie quarterbacks, and you find out that you know Jared Goff doesn't know that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west when he literally does not know that. <laughs> like, I can't erase that from my mind when I watch Rams games. So you just don't want to come out of something um, feeling horribly concerned about the players involved. And uh, so far, so good. Um, outside of what I think the sort of bit of the phantom menace element here is that you really wonder if this coaching staff, um, A, all respects and gets along. I think there's evidence to and against for that. And if they can keep it together over the course of a year, because it coming out of one in 31, Hugh Jackson has to accomplish so much to erase and then build on reputation wise that I think it's just an incredibly, incredibly tall order. Yeah. What do you, and if, if it's not clear, I mean, Mark, you grew up a Browns fan. Um, you're, you're, uh, like, uh, is it Brad, was it Brad Paisley who showed up in the, you're, you're like a high, you're a high octane Brad Paisley. Does that work for you? Is that? Yeah. I mean, minus, um, <laughs> the millions of dollars in any sort of, uh, talent, but he, no, I think I can, you know, he got kind of killed for, um, providing a bit of a dud of a speech. Uh, and, and I get it, but I see also that like he, he was talking like, please, like the 12, 13 year old me. I mean, we all have those things in sports or in life where it's like that, Part of me still is um, still gets hurt and gets exposed when like that kind when when the team is getting laughed at by everyone in every sports bar that you walk into like you just you know you're not really an adult about it you're not maybe level headed about it and I definitely still spill into that um, you know on our on our own show that you've been on like we talked about like when I feel like I'm getting ganged up on everyone's taking shots and like they probably aren't at all it's just that I'm overly I can get overly sensitive to it. So anything that they, any venture they take on, you just want it to be, please don't embarrass me anymore. Please, uh, please don't embarrass yourselves. And so, and I think that this, so far the way this team has been set up, 
I, I just don't see how they could go like one in fifteen. They just have there's too many players on that roster right now that have that have some experience and some young guys like a Miles Garrett who just looks like the real deal times yeah. six. So I have fallen into the trap again where I am optimistic <laughs> and I know where this leads. So it's up to you to talk me off the ledge and other people, please. I, I can't. I can't. I mean, I think I think. Here's, <laughs> well, I mean, but here's the thing that John Dorsey's done that none of these other uh, GMs and, and, and not coaching staffs, but because I, I don't know. How, I, well, I think all right, two things. One, John Dorsey coming in and saying, OK, look. It doesn't work to try and make this miraculous rebuild um, with a bunch of young players. We need guys like a, uh, you know, like a Tyrod Taylor and like a Jarvis Landry who, while perhaps not the perfect quarterback and not the perfect wide receiver, guys who have been around the league, guys will raise our floor. And I think that's really important. And the other thing is, I can't, I can't believe that Hugh, it was Hugh Jackson's idea to get Todd Haley, but somebody said, Hugh, you're getting Todd Haley. And what, whatever you think about Hugh and Todd Haley's interactions on the, on Hard Knocks, and they're, they're hilarious, and clearly Todd Haley would be fine with a mutiny happening right now. Um, but, but like, Hugh, Todd Haley's gonna make that offense better, right? And that's gonna allow Hugh Jackson to stop spending his time screwing up the offense and to focus on coaching stuff. Because to me, the Browns lost three or four games last year because Hugh Jackson wasn't prepared or because he, he was too busy, you know, being a head coach to, to call the right play calls for Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that the, in, you know, and I understand what people think about Greg Williams and, and it, it, but in terms of personality, like as a foil to Hugh Jackson, who, you know, if anything, he's probably a little too easy on the players and there was a real lack of, um, suddenness and like urgency in the last two seasons. And the one thing I feel about Todd Haley is that there's this pounding the table for accountability. And it, in the, in the speeches we heard, even from the other coaches that these guys who are vaguely, um, banged up and they probably could play well they've got to be playing and this is how we did it in Pittsburgh and this is how other teams do it and if the Browns want to really change it's like you got to get real about this stuff and we don't know the full story but like those clip those little clips um that caused unrest for me because it was like yes it's amazing that Todd Haley is on the staff for where where no one was doing this a year ago um with these players you see him ride him in every scene he's no one's ever quite going to make him satisfied and i love that even when Hugh Jackson said you know hey man the bird has landed for Josh Gordon. Todd Haley is like, that's great. But his only question was, has he been working out? Like, is this guy ready to play? What the, What is going on with Josh Gordon and this team? So I like the, I just like the fact that he's a little bit take no prisoners and they've needed that. They've just lacked that. And you see it in every game and you hear about it when they went to the senior bowl and the practices were completely disheveled. It's like, I think it's a different, hopefully they, they're addressing some of those issues. They were not ready for prime time. And that's on Hugh Jackson. Yeah, I, my issue with Hugh Jackson is, and I mean, I shouldn't, he sounds like me when I'm talking to, so we, you have young kids and I have a four year old and you know, we'll get babysitters over here and the babysitter shows up, you know, and what I should be doing is being like, here are the rules that our house abides by and here's how this is going to go. I'm like, but I'm like, yeah, you know, like I was in a frat in college, you know, like, 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 I mean, I don't really say that, but you know, I mean, like I'm trying, like I'm like a 35 year old, like middle-aged clown and I'm, I'm trying to say things that are cool to this babysitter, uh, who's in, who's in college. It's like Hugh Jackson's like, he's like, eh, hey, Baker, like what's going on, buddy? Like, uh, you just, yeah, cool, man. That's really, it's like, no, like, like bust his ass. Be a, be a head coach. Stop being his friend and be a head coach. Does that analogy make sense? 
Yes, it completely does because um, having dealt with multiple sitters, um, you know, if they're listening, many of them very skilled. But like for the most part, my role shifts into, hey, listen, you know, we're just going out for a couple of drinks because we're still cool. We're right. cool parents. Um, who knows what the night may lead to for uh, the wife and I? It's uh, it's it's all mystery. It's all I'm about mystery, and it's like the babysitter's looking at you like, just get out of the house, please. Yeah, I'll please s- just exit the house. I will make my. Thirteen dollars an hour, and we will call it a night. It's like excellent point, babysitter. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, she, you're really, you know, what I mean, yeah, we could be out to like midnight. She's like, I'll see you at ten, Mr. Brinson. <laughs> like, all, right, all right, you got me there. Um, all right, well, I don't want to spend the entire time we talk about the Browns. Uh, there are lots of other interesting NFL teams out there. Uh, oh, actually, I do have one more question on the Browns thing. Do you think? I think they're doing the right thing with Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield um, because. As I've said on this podcast a bunch, you can't go to Baker Mayfield to start the season, lose your first three games, pull the ripcord and go to Tyrod Taylor, and then even think about going back to Baker Mayfield. A, it just, it's the wrong order, and B, you can kind of destroy Baker Mayfield's confidence. So in my opinion, they're doing the right thing. Do you agree? Yes, because if, I, I think if Hugh Jackson took anything away from last year, it was that I don't want to go through that again with a rookie quarterback. This is a very different guy than Deshaun Kaiser, but they ruined him. And he and Hugh Jackson did not help, and the whole team did not help with what happened. And previous to that, if they want to learn from anything, there are like 25 other young quarterbacks that were <laughs> essentially sort of like put to sleep by the Browns and the way they were handled. So I I get the Baker Mayfield. You'd kind of would like, love if he were 21 versus 23 right now. Um, it's nice that with Sam Darnold, you know, two years from now, he'll still be the younger than most quarterbacks coming out of college. Like that's a benefit for the Jets and the Browns don't have that benefit of time. That said, if he were like a productive, um, fun quarterback to watch for like six or seven years in Cleveland, that is more than they've had since the 80s, since Reagan was in the White House. So let's be honest, like that might be fine. And I'm not worried about rushing him in. I so agree that they, I think they did the right thing was go out and get someone to be around him in the quarterback room every day and to push him as well. I think that, I think that Tyrod Tiller doesn't get a lot of uh, sort of highlights and media and in exposure on hard knocks because he's a quiet guy, but you talk to other coaches. I uh, remember when I was on this USO trip and Rex Ryan, who had coached him in Buffalo, and everyone yeah. thought, oh, does Rex Ryan like Tyrod Taylor or not? We don't know. They keep talking about benching him. It's like he just went out of his way to say that he was one of the greatest kids he had ever coached, uh, neck up, but also just everything that he put into it. So he was the right guy to get. You go out and get the wrong veteran, and it's a terrible environment. I think that that quarterback room, you kind of see it, is a good place for a rookie to grow, and you just have to hope that when they make that transition, it'll be the right time that's the other thing they haven't gotten right in the past so that's that takes skill and maneuvering and i think it's going to take a lot of of probably todd haley's voice in there as well to do it correctly yeah i'm no, i'm with you on that all right uh so as we bounce around the league you have um a similar uh proclivity as as do i to mine to sort of go off i believe i believe your colleague dan hansis calls them sesslers right like like you like to, you like to, you get like a, like I, I'm like, you know who's going to the Super Bowl? The Arizona Cardinals. And, uh, it ends up, it ends up being like I did that last year and it was terrible and it was awful, but I, I, I believed it and I, I went with it. And, um, I, I'm wondering, do you have any, um, any, any, any sort of, uh, spidey sense type of teams that are kind of floating about right now, uh, in, in that brain of yours? 
I do have one, and like it started out as a Sessler because I got two or three right out of the gate, and people were like, <laughs> "Whoa!" But that was like four or five years ago, and I probably <laughs> consistently gotten seventy to eighty uh, so-called predictions completely wrong since. So at this point, it's total mockery that anything is centered around my ability to do that. The team, though, that just for some reason keeps coming back to me, and it's not a shocking underdog, but it's the Falcons. I just feel oh. like the Falcons are going to be this Broncos team that when they went and beat the Panthers after being waxed two years earlier, that they overcome a lot mentally. They're a strong team, and they're going to get it done. I have I have bad news. For you. The, the Falcons are currently – I'm now I'm worried because I saw that uh, Andy Benoit at SI.com picked them to win the Super Bowl. I, I've – Got them penciled in as my Super Bowl team, um, but oh, so this is so on this top is a, of probably is, being wrong. I'm vastly unoriginal in picking them as well, and I'm probably there's probably I'm looking out around our newsroom. There's probably 25 other people with the Falcons <laughs> also penciled in. So, well, well hey. let's but let's talk let's talk through this though. I, I I hadn't even considered the the they get blasted in a in a crippling Super Bowl situation, then come back two years later thing. I like that a lot. What I like about this Falcons team is that Dan Quinn. Uh, to me, personifies all of the good things uh, about Pete Carroll um, with also some excellent personnel management. He drafts really well in, in Atlanta, and he's still in the early stages of constructing that roster. And that defense, I think that defense comes together this year in a way that it hasn't come together for a full season. Like, you haven't – we've seen them get hot down the stretch, but we've never seen them get hot over 16 games. They're all young guys. I mean, none of these guys on this defense outside of – um, Desmond Trufant have, have gotten an extension, I don't think. You know, they're working on one for Grady Jarrett now. But if, if everything clicks on that defense, they got a chance to be dominant, and people are looking at them as the second-best team in that division easily. The other thing they mimicked from Seattle was that Seattle, you know, was self-aware enough to realize that – and that window is now – closed, but there was a period of time where they signed and re-signed a rash of key guys. Mm. And at that, this is, you know, back 2013, 14 time period where you thought, yes, this window is wide open because none of these guys, you're not going to lose, you know, 20% of your core players in the next free agency uh, roundup or the one after. And with Atlanta, they have this team speed that I think that in, in yes. the way that they play on defense, to your point, makes reminds me so much of Seattle, that Quinn was a big part of why that happened in Seattle. He was so impressive before Seattle's Super Bowl win over the Broncos. Like I remember at those media weeks where it's like, you're, you know, players don't want to talk to you. You're going from table to table. But Dan Quinn was like happy to talk to reporters for like, and he, and he it was smart because he was a, a hot name in the coaching circles, but he really, I thought, shined in his ability to communicate and explain um, what the team was about. So I knew right then that he was so all in in terms of being a planner in Seattle, too, not just some coordinator out on the outside. And it all shows up in Atlanta. And I, with, whether it's, it's the pairing of him and Thomas Dimitrov, too, that, they, you know, some teams, they, 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 they draft these star players, then the star players on another team four years later because they weren't maximized. And, like, player development is a huge issue and separates teams. And the Falcons have shown over and over to find these guys that not only are good players but really fit what Atlanta wants to do on both sides of the ball. It's like Calvin Ridley already looks like the perfect addition on that offense. And they have got one after the other on defense that were all brought in under Quinn's sort of complete scouting analysis and overall worldview of how to build a team. And so far, like the way that they took care of the Rams in the playoffs last year and how they played down the stretch to your point, like it was, to me, it looked like a Super Bowl defense at the end of last season. And I really think it carries over. It wasn't fluky. No, I, I agree with you in that respect. Um, 
the 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 problem with the NFC to me is that there are so many good teams. Like, because I and I, I I get into trouble when I I'll I'll get a conviction in May and June, and then once these games start happening, I see stuff on the field in the preseason, and I'm a I'm a sucker. Like I will flop, yeah, yeah. like like the, like I picked the Eagles to win the Super Bowl a few years ago because Sam Bradford and and Chip Kelly were lobbing up 35 on on second stringers, and I convinced myself that that they would somehow put it all together, and clearly they 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 flopped, and Kelly got fired. Um, the like, but one of the teams I'm sort of flip flopping on when it comes to the NFC are the Minnesota Vikings. Because I'm trying to find the Vikings and the Saints to me are the two teams that are perf- like almost perfectly complete. Uh, if you had to pick one of those two teams, who would you rather go with in the NFC? Like, like you know, obviously putting the Falcons aside there. Um, yeah. Who, which which roster do you think is more complete and more dangerous? It's 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 another reminder that like even today on our show we were talking about the Redskins and saying, well, they could win nine games. It's like. Excuse, there's like 14 teams yeah. in the NFC that look like they could win nine games right now. And between the Vikings and the Saints, I would give the Vikings a slight edge. But I also think, even though I think Kirk Cousins is, in, on paper, he's a big upgrade off of Case Keenum and on the field as well. I mean, Keenum had a really special season with him, but that was also to do with what was around Case Keenum. And I think that will be shown in Denver, is that that is an all-star offense loaded at every position. I mean, it's like Dalvin Cook didn't even play. You're getting him back essentially for the it, hopefully 16 games. And their defense is on paper just so insanely stacked that I, I would give them the, the edge. Um, another team, though, that I would say fits in that category where they went out and had a, such an active offseason is the Rams. I mean, you go out and you add two-star cornerbacks, Nadamik and Sue, and Brandon Cooks. It's like they see themselves in that Super Bowl window, too. Is it, are the, the Rams, the, my only concern with the Rams is that they're too obvious. Like they see, it's like, like, they, like they're obviously going to win the West because the Seahawks are on the decline. The Cardinals, uh, you know, are in turmoil right now with the new head coach and the GM that just came back from suspension. A rookie quarterback, Sam Bradford is there. Larry Fitzgerald's old. David Johnson back from injury. And, and then the, the 49ers who to me are just a little too hyped up. I mean, I, I guess I want, who's most likely to challenge the Rams in that division? Well, I guess, I guess that's a real unknown because I don't, I just think that you can come out at this point. It's hard to have a real feel for the Seahawks yeah. after all the changes they made. I think that it's a, it's also hard to have a feel for the Cardinals because it's amazing to have David Johnson back. I think they have two good quarterbacks. I think Rosen could play, but they're just a very different overall looking and feeling club for when Bruce Arians was there. It's it's like you're not sure what you're going to get out of Steve Wilkes. You're not going to be sure what you're going to get about so much of that. And then the 49ers is the team. They remind me a little of the Rams where I think that like the Shanahan McVay, and this is not news, like that that rivalry will be amazing to watch down, down, you know, for years to come. And if Garoppolo is what, what he is, I think the one thing when I look at the Niners roster on both sides, it's not perfect, but there are, he's not the only reason to be hopeful about the Niners. That's another team, especially the way Shanahan built this team offense in Atlanta. And then he's quickly doing it in San Francisco. He knows how to find those guys to make his his scheme really work quickly. And I trust that coaching staff and that whole situation more than a lot of other in the NFL. So I would say the Niners, but I am with you on the Rams in the sense that like everything went so well for McVay last season and even from an injury perspective. And it's hard for that to happen two years in a row. Yeah. And it's like, you're throwing 
you're, I mean, I, I trust Wade Phillips and I trust McVeigh and I trust the, the leaders on that team, but you're throwing some combustible personalities into a, uh, into a very small beaker. And I mean, like, Indama Kinsu, Marcus Peters, Akeem Talib, Aaron Donald. I mean, just those guys on defense alone could end up making things quite interesting. Um, are you buying or selling the Chicago Bears hype? Um, I'm selling for this season. I think that for once they've gone out and gotten a coach that you could hopefully see being there for a long time. Although that said, you know, not that he was overhyped, but he's another guy that – you know, becoming a head coach off after becoming a masterful play caller are two totally different jobs. So let's find out, A, if he's able to do that. I mean, it was two years ago everyone was saying that about Hugh Jackson. Oh, this guy's just a wizard, and he creates plays, and he's got the offensive line shifted out you know, to, by the sideline. Look at this guy. And then two years later, everyone, no one can believe he has a job. So a lot can change. My one thing, and I, don't, I, I also don't want to put too much on the preseason, but I just like I feel like there's all this – optimistic talk about all these rookie quarterbacks and I've heard that they love Trubisky and that he's um, perfect for them but I I just from the what little I've seen do not see a player that's about to that looks like a dominant quarterback I've seen very little this preseason obviously so I'm hopefully wrong but I I think there's a lot in also with Chicago where you're right now in one of the most stacked conferences we've ever seen in our lifetime I mean this is the NFC if it plays out the script where is there a space for the Bears to sneak in and be this 10 and 6 team I think they're going to be they're going to have to grow up a little bit and the in the conference is going to have to lessen and change to some degree yeah because like last year five or six teams who were out of the playoffs in 2016 jumped in like there was wholesale change uh, and we're sort of seeing some of the old guard the Seahawks the Panthers um, take a step back even the Packers you know are sort of reinventing themselves with all the you know Ted Thompson's out Mike McCarthy's signing a, a one of those weird Jim Caldwell extensions um, you know Gutekunst is, is shape is 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 you know throwing everything around and, and changing things in there um, but like if you're picking Two teams who you, it's hard to pick teams you know won't make the playoffs in the NFC. Maybe the Bucks and the Cardinals. I, I'm, I'm with you in that respect. I wonder in the AFC where it's a little bit more wide open. If you had one game to make it into the postseason and you had to pick one quarterback from the AFC South, Deshaun Watson, Marcus Mariota, uh, Andrew Luck or Blake Bortles, should you so choose, who would you go with? Well, I know I should go with Andrew Luck, um, but are we, if we're talking about today's Andrew Luck. No, you don't I have might... to go with Andrew Luck. I mean, he's, he can, his arm could fall off halfway through the game. Yeah, I, like I, for me, just from what I saw last year from Deshaun Watson, he was just so spectacular. And it's, it's a question mark if that's going to carry over. But if he's healthy, um, you know what? He's my 1A, though, because I just think, I think that if we get the Andrew Luck that we've, that we've always um, known before all this chaos happened to him, like he's won big games, he's won playoff games, and I think that uh, I think that he'd be my dude. Um, and it, with the other two, Tennessee and Jacksonville's quarterbacks, deep and deep in the distance. Uh, who finishes second in the AFC East? I think the Jets. Um, well, yeah, I think the Jets will. The, I I think partly will be everyone talks about Sam Darnold left and right. I, the, it, it's possible that 10 years from now, the more successful draft pick is, is you know, the two safeties they took a year ago. I just Ooh. think that they've they've started to build something on defense. I don't love their pass rush, but 
you know, they can hang around in games, and if they get enough from the offense, which has some pieces, it's like an unspectacular offense on paper, but there's a little bit of depth at running back and some interesting receivers, and I could see them, A, you know, winning these division games against teams other than the Patriots, and um, I think second place in the AFC East could also be a team that's 7-9, and nine. so you're not asking uh, someone to be incredible. The Dolphins, to me, I do, they have parts, but I don't know. I just – they. My, I, I get killed on Twitter by Dolphins fans who want endlessly want respect, who want to be seen as this like, up-and-coming team. Well, it's a, it's a pocket of them, and I get it because I've been that fan too, you know, where you're just like, respect my team. It's like, but I really just uh, – I, with the Dolphins, I, I really wonder if the front office and the coaching staff are on the same page. And, you know, there's just some weird pieces in place there. But um, all those teams, to me – are just going to scrap around and, and we'll all wind up out of the playoff picture, which I don't think is a, is a, um, a stunningly uh, daring suggestion. So when when uh, Dan Hansis was on this podcast and it's very daily infancy, we were we were literally just breaking down the Jets and their draft hopes. And this is before the draft, um, and we knew the Jets had the number three pick, but it was during the uh, the the time period when. The rumor du jour was that Sam Darnold was going first overall. And so yeah. Dan had basically resigned. I mean, I literally, we literally spent like 10 minutes on the podcast with me talking him into Baker Mayfield at number three. So I'm wondering with you as a Browns fan and Dan as a Jets fan, where do you, where do you stand on like, like, are, is, are all parties involved okay with the short and long term here with the court? You know what I mean? Like, like how I do, think so. Are you, are you, I really do. No, it's a good question because it's like something that imme- immediately, um, pitted Dan and I against each other. Yeah. Just like we are, like he's a wild Jets fan, and like I all this like pain wrapped up in the Browns. He's got <laughs> familial pain with the Jets. His dad's a longtime Jets fan. It's like going been going on for generations. And the one thing I think that we both would feel is like a we're both he's he I think that he always probably wanted Sam Darnold, and, and he think he fits perfectly into everything that the Jets want out of a quarterback and he's always wanted and he's got the, you know, Darnold's got the great hair. Dan's got the great hair. So it's kind of <laughs> like, you see that, you see that kind of parallel for me, Baker Mayfield sort of more the kind of guy that I gravitate to. And I, that's come from hard knocks, but also kind of just studying him um, beforehand on social media, like on Instagram and stuff, just as a, someone watching from a distance, like I kind of like this dude. And I think that hard knocks has shown someone who's like incredibly comfortable in his own skin is an interesting guy. And when I watch him, it's like, wow, this is the first Browns quarterback in like 20-something years with good footwork who sees the field. This is a shocking thing to be watching as a Browns fan. So I, I think what we, what the worst-case scenario would have one of them flame out while the other totally succeeds, and Dan and I, like our friendship just crumbles into total <laughs> dust. They, they both need to succeed because it's time for a complete overhaul in the AFC. And, you know, Browns-Jets – have both been out equally long enough. Let's get them both back and have both quarterbacks successful and let it be a Brady-Manning type thing. That is a wild ask. I know that something is going to go completely wrong for one of, for one of us, if not both. Well, <laughs> it, is, it is asking a lot for both the Browns and Jets to be good. I do think that, like, Darnold, sort of the stoic, uh, quiet – I don't want to say mature, as in Baker's not mature, but like, you know, young for, you know, you can see Sam Darnold fitting in New York as like an Eli Manning type who comes in as yep. a rookie and plays the role and is on the, 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 the Rolex ads around town or, you know, whatever it is. And 
I think Cleveland needs a cowboy, for lack of a better phrase. Like Cleveland needs somebody who is unafraid to buck the historical disaster that is the Browns since 1999. And to me, Baker Mayfield sort of fits that in, in a way. Like the John Dorsey parody he did was beyond funny. And but Dorsey, they all fit there. So I, so I think that the the fit there is very good. And look, hey, the the Patriots have to end at some point and then somebody has to rise up so why not the browns and jets they got their quarterbacks i will get you out of here on this give me the order of finish of the 2018 afc north all right so order of finish i i've, I've got to go with pittsburgh just because what's been taken away i mean minus you know levy on bell coming in and really just you know the, oh, you know you're not you're not with the team for the last month it's really going to hurt them or something i don't see that happening They've got no team. They they've got two incredible receivers. They've got I think Big Ben losing shedding weight um, is a big deal for them that not a lot of people are talking about. That he just is healthier. He just said he hasn't had to ice up after a single practice outside of one or something. I think he just he was veering towards middle age, and that's not the case because he's took care of his body, which you know might have been nice to do that a couple hey, years ago to, too. Uh, but here we are. To, yeah, not to, not to interrupt you, but um, I know like you we've. You and I have texted back and forth about the whole Brady diet, and you're you're right. far, you're far healthier when it comes to eating that stuff than I am, mainly because my wife won't abide by it. Like she she loves red meat. <laughs> um, have you Let's read? Put her on the hot seat. I like that. Yeah, yeah right, right. She, she's out getting us like carne asada tacos right now. Like all I all I wanted was a <laughs> all I wanted was a poke bowl for dinner with my son out of town. I'm getting a carne asada tacos. Um, <laughs> real real tough life. Um, have you read the Justin Verlander Kate Upton story on Bleacher Report? No, I must. Okay, check it out because it's so like I will. Basically, Justin Verlander at 33, his body started breaking down, and it, it, when he got together with Kate Upton, TLDR version, she sent him to this like uh, like uh, physical therapist, and she started looking at his body. She was like, "Dude, you just like drink beer and act like a Cro Magnon and play baseball. You have." tissue like built up from your toes to your shoulder and so he started he started acting like he started go he went healthy and all of a sudden he's winning the Cy Young again because he totally changed the way that he works out and the way that he eats um which could be I'm not we, we're running out of time so we're not springboarding off into a whole another universe about healthy eating but this is why Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are playing at the level they're playing at and why Big Ben and Philip Rivers and a guy like Peyton Manning are more likely to break down because they're old school guys. So I, I think you have something there with the idea that Ben Roethlisberger could stop eating cheeseburgers and drinking yingling and might play longer. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's a whole wormhole because I so believe in it. And um, it's for some reason, it's still so culturally unacceptable yeah. that like diet would have an impact on your body and your body <laughs> impacts how your career goes. But uh, for another time, but yeah, I, that's why I buy into that because I do think it matters that he he you know he always has had these like leg and lower body stuff. It's like reduce the weight. Bottom line, the Steelers to me like where are you pointing to say they're not they're not going to be a good team. But to me, second would be the Ravens. I think that you're getting a little bit of a different Flacco. I I don't know about this motivation thing, but bottom line, he's healthy. Like his back was hurt last year and. That's easy to talk about, but then when you have a back injury yourself, it's like, oh, it impacts literally everything you do, every movement you make, and now you're running around on the field trying to complete like 25-yard outs. Like, come on, please. So now he's healthy. I think there's a there's also a, a really, I think, an interesting defense and um, a better wide receiver core with John Brown and stuff. I 
that to me looks like a team that's going to go to the playoffs along with Pittsburgh. I think Cincinnati um, probably comes in third with Cleveland mm. fourth, but I could see Cleveland winning a game or two against the Ravens and Bengals versus getting utterly swept by the division um, and Cleveland not being a disaster, but I don't see them overtaking the Bengals are just to me, even though they have a tendency to obviously underwhelm and bore, um, there's parts of that offense right now that bring new elements and team speed. And I think we're going to see them win an extra two or three games because of that and be in the playoff picture at the end. Yeah, if they have that offensive line clicking and Joe Mixon plays the way that Joe Mixon can play and A.J. Green is A.J. Green for a full season, I think that they're going to be a dangerous team. That The AFC is – this is – okay – this is gonna, to me, the, last year was not fun. The NFL was just not fun for a variety of different reasons. It was a long year. I feel like this year is gonna be fun. Am I wrong? I know, I think there's, I think there's, like this completely reincorporated NFC where we don't know what's going to happen. We know there's a lot of great teams, which means like sometimes even if you look across the conference, like the AFC had very similar records to the NFC in many divisions except the South. Yeah. That was really the difference, but, but the NFC offers what I think is three to four like legit Super Bowl contenders. The AFC does not, but in general, you get better games when there's far more intriguing teams uh, and new. And I, by that I mean not not more because it's probably typically the same every year, but new teams, new faces. Like, and I think it's cool that the idea that suddenly like the Saints with Drew Brees, like Brees getting one last championship. Maybe it's Big Ben. Like, we're gonna lose these quarterbacks soon. I, I always like the narrative of that one last Super Bowl. Uh, and to me, it's just all these rookie quarterbacks too. I mean, there's just so much that's fresh. And for the tired out fans from last year and the year before, and those who have been teams like the Bills, Browns, Jets with no quarterback for so long, like now you have something to like to even if the ship, if the wheels fall off and the ship sinks by the bye week, you still have a young quarterback to observe and care about, which is so different than past seasons. Amen. All right. Exciting season coming. Mark Sesser, thanks for joining me, buddy. At Mark Sesser, NFL on Twitter. Um, you're also you're very active on Instagram, I believe. Instagram is a more fun place than Twitter these days. That's neither here nor there. Uh, and the Around the NFL podcast, you should subscribe to that on iTunes. It's an excellent listen. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. It was fun. We'll do it again for sure. For sure.